You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in today. And uh, we're going to be talking Model T's. And uh, Mr. Uh, Ronaldo has a Model T. And uh, we decided to call the Model T Club of America and talk about Model T's. And we've got Rachel and Justin on the line with us. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. Good morning. Morning, Good to be morning. here. And uh, we're glad to have everybody here, as a matter of fact, on this chilly morning. How chilly is up there in uh, your part of the world? It is 7 degrees in Richmond, Indiana this morning. Oh. 7 degrees. I think I would have stayed in bed. <laughs> uh, that would have been my choice, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have stayed in Florida. <laughs> Well, all I want to know is, does everyone have all their transmission bands adjusted? Hello? I'm sorry. It's hard to hear you. Uh-oh. Well, uh, can you turn yours up on your end? I, I'm as hot as I can go on my end. Uh, we are, too. I'm sorry. Just repeat the question. I just wanted to know if everyone had their transmission bands adjusted this morning. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure we do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Well, anyway, let's talk a little bit about the organization. and what What is its name, location, website, telephone numbers, and then let's talk about how and when you guys started and what you're doing. All right. Well, we are the Model T Ford Club of America, and we've been around a long time. I'll, I'll share the history with you in a little bit. But we're located in Richmond, Indiana. And um, our phone number is 765-373-3106 if you want to reach the business office. If you want to call the museum, that's 765-488-0026. The the, uh, club started many years ago, and it's interesting how it got started. Uh, there were a group of people in southern Indiana who had a Model T club, and they really thought it would be great if there was a national club of some sort. And at that time, the club had around 420 people, 20 members, and they just didn't want to take on the task of being a national club. Uh, they just thought that would be too much for their club. But some of the board members felt that it was important to have that national presence. So after a board meeting one night, they got together and started talking about it and decided that they were going to form this national club. And that was in 1965. So when I said we've been around a while, you can see uh, that we, we really have been. So after uh, this conversation led to them saying, I'll put in five bucks if you'll put in five bucks. (laughs) And um, they, on December 12, 1965, decided to form this uh, national organization. So the following day, they started contacting other folks, and the idea really took off after that. The first member to join was Bob Patton. 
he was an accountant and he became our first treasurer of the Model T Ford Club of America. Uh, Walt Rosenthal became our first president and he was very active in the club uh, for, for many, many years after that. They decided that we really needed a publication for the organization and that is called the, or the Vintage Ford, and we're still doing that today. That's one of the most popular aspects of our club, and people really look forward to that. Uh, so they had to kick off a meeting. That was in January of 1966. And over the next few months, they worked to form different groups that then um, came into the organization to form what we are now known know as the Model T Ford Club of America. The first issue of the Vintage Ford came out in the next month, February 1966, and that was mailed to about 1,500 people. So you can see it really grew quickly after that initial start. And I thought this was really interesting when I was looking through the history. One of the things that they uh, that came out of this group starting was a book that many Model T enthusiasts will, will have heard of called From Here to Obscurity. And that actually started when they did a series of articles about a 1909 Ford that they discovered. And they started writing these articles for the magazine, the Vintage Ford. And they did this over a year-long period. And they did a study of this and, and kind of did a, a year-long, a year-by-year study over two years. And when they were done, they thought, this is a really good study and could be something that people could benefit from. So they put it together, edited these articles, and reprinted it as this book called From Here to Obscurity. And yet today, people look at this as kind of the Bible of the Model T um, uh, world and uh, use that when they're working on T's or, or looking at Model T's and that type of thing. So I thought that was kind of an interesting piece of history as I was researching this uh, for our conversation today. Uh, we have national tours each year where folks can get together, meet each other, um, because we have um, members from all across the United States and even internationally. So these tours uh, have been happening every year since 1967, except unfortunately for last year when COVID prohibited us from getting together. And our first tour uh, was in 1967, <clears throat> excuse me, in Dearborn. And that year we had about 100 people that participated. We are the largest Model T club in the world. And uh, we are the only model, the only museum that is solely dedicated to Model Ts. There are other museums that have Model Ts in them, but we are the only one that is solely dedicated to Model Ts. Rachel, Rachel uh, I, I want to interrupt for one second. Uh, how large an audience do you have in Australia? Because we, we do very well in Australia, as a matter of fact. Um, we do have quite a few members in Australia. Um, I'm not sure that I have that number right in front of me, but I can, as Justin's telling me a little more about the museum and stuff, I can, I can probably get you an estimated number. But I would say... Uh, we probably have 50, maybe, probably around 50 members in Australia. Oh, that's good. Yeah, did they have a plant, an assembly plant in Australia? 
I they know. they were shipped there, shipped and assembled there, but they never right. um, manufactured there. No. It was, an, it was a uh, assembly plant, not a manufacturing plant. And I'll bet they were right-hand drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bet uh, they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. How many members do you guys have now? We have around 5,600. That's pretty strong. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty big. Yeah. We both are in the United States, but we have uh, members all over the world. Yeah, what what just kind of interesting? I I uh, I do a lot of brass car stuff. How uh, how many brass tees? We'll say fifteen and older. Do you think are still around? You don't see that many anymore. Well, uh, as of a couple years ago, there was about a half a million Model Ts left worldwide. That's over all nineteen years. Um, you tend to see not so many brass on the road. But if you do get together at, like, the Horselets Carriage Club or some of the other clubs, you will see a, a little bit more brass just because uh, those are the, a little bit more desirable since they were they didn't make as many. But not a whole lot of brass cars that you'll see on the road as, per se, the whole thing. No, I, I know, because I, I do a lot of horses carriage tours, uh, and even, like, the big ones, New England Brass and Gas and some of those, there's, there's maybe... 10, 20 brassier cars out of 200. And uh, yeah, it's kind of fun, though. The old cars are the most fun. Let me ask you another question. There's this, always this discussion about Model T guys. Was, was 08 first or was 09 first? <laughs> it came out in uh, the first car was produced in October of 08. Really? Um, and it was uh, the first year but they came out almost as 09 models because it was just so late in the year. Uh, they, the first 100 cars, uh, they took orders, and they did not have first 100 cars built. So it's kind of like, hey, if you're going to order a car in 08, you'll receive it in 09. So, so the, this question will never be answered, is no, what you're saying? No. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And the debate ravages on. And, <laughs> and there's, a, there's a lot of difference between the very early ones with the, what is it, two two pedals and two levers versus three yeah. pedals and one lever? The first 750 Model Ts had two levers, two pedals, and then they went with the more traditional three pedals, one lever, just because it was a little bit easier to produce. And they were still kind of getting their manufacturing system and prop. And yeah, I only know of one. I've only ever seen one two lever, and that belongs to a guy named Manny Rhymes. That's the only two two pedal one I've ever seen. Do you guys have one in your museum? We have the three hundred ninety fourth Model T ever made of fifteen million, and yes, it is a two lever two pedal. Yeah, that's an odd car. How many total Model Ts do you have in your museum, Justin? We have 41 vehicles. Um, we have 39 cars, a chassis, and an airplane. Uh, and an airplane? Oh, with, yeah. the t- with the T-motor? Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's the first ever Pete and Pole Model T airplane ever built. Yeah. Does it really? Did it really work? Yes. It did? Yes. We yeah. have pictures of it flying. Yeah. That's cool. That's good. Because yeah. I know Model T's and Model A's, the drivetrains were used for anything and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They did They did tons of those things. You can't kill them. No. No. Yeah. You no. can't kill them. It's, I think they're great cars. The T's and the A's. And one thing I like, and I, I'm a big advocate of Model T's and Model A's, 
because I have I've had throughout the years goofy cars. I've got an '09 Maxwell now, and I try to go to the Maxwell dealer, and I can't find anything. No, no their parts department is a little small, but. In Model Ts, you have people like Langs up in uh, up in New England. You can just about get anything you want for a Model T, and I'll tell you what it that makes makes it a whole lot more enjoyable to be. You know, you don't have to worry about stuff. Yeah, there's a guy in Springfield, Ohio, too. I think Snyder's, Snyder's, yeah. Snyder's, yeah. yeah. Snyder's, Eckler's, Langs, Max. There's a Bob's. Uh, yep. There's also a gaslight. In yeah, gaslight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes it easy. So if things break, you can get it. But like on the the Maxwell and some of the other old cars, everything has to be made. Uh, Justin, I I'd like to jump in and ask you a question, and and it's a two part question. So, okay. uh, as you're giving your tours, obviously adults are there and have driven in and what what's in your opinion the most asked question by the adults and then also you've got to have some great responses or questions from kids and uh is there a, a most asked question by kids kids um kids always are confused because it says model t so they think it's a model of a car called T, so they don't think it's a real car. It's mm-hmm. like they think it's like a plastic model. Chitty chitty bang bang, huh? Yeah, <laughs> they'll say, "Oh, is this is this an actual car?" Because it says "model" in front of the T. So is it the model of the T? And I go, "No, the model T is the name of the car." And they're like, "Oh, okay, that is kind of confusing. Why did they do that?" And I'm like, "We should have asked Henry Ford." <laughs> and then the the number one question I'm asked by adults is uh, it's it's another kind of two parter. Um, what kind of tires? How easy is it to get tires? And probably the most common question is uh, what kind of gas do they run on? <laughs> Natural gas. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I said they'll run on uh, anything that'll burn, but the gas that's sold at the gas station is preferred. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, how many of the brass era cars that we're talking about uh, do you think are still around total? Have you got any idea of that? A, a count? I don't. I would say around possibly fifty thousand. Um, wow, of the brass era cars of the brass era, I, yeah. I'm kind of. Ball ballpark in it. Yeah, uh, I know. Okay. In our museum, we have seven. So um, okay, we have seven of the fifty thousand, roughly. Yeah, that's uh, it's incredible. Of course, it they were, they were either manufactured or assembled all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, Justin, we're going to take our first break right quick, and we'll be okay, back great. to you in about two minutes. Okay. This guy's a nice Thank guy. You. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have 
the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio in the Classic Car Show with our guests Rachel and <coughs> Justin from the Model T Club of America. And uh, we're very glad to have both of them on today. And uh, Justin was has been talking with uh, Steve about the Model T and why it was named the Model T. Yeah, that's a, that's always a good question. You know, how come when it was it was the first Ford, which of course it wasn't. No. Why is it named? Why is it named T? And why is Model A after Model T when T comes way after A in the alphabet? Oh, I don't know. So go ahead. You can t- maybe you can answer that question. <laughs> well, they they came out with the Model A first in 1903. Yep. Then they yep. went. Um, they wanted to have kind of a completely different car every year. They wanted to have a fully array stock of parts in every one of the dealerships across the United States. Um, they started off with the A. What worked on the A, they put on the B. What worked on the B, they put on the C. <laughs> what they kind of combined certain models. Uh, so they came out with the D. Uh, and basically, if it works, we'll put it on the next model. If it doesn't, then we're not going to put it on the next model. So they kind of skipped around on the alphabet a little bit, kind of combining parts uh, from other cars. Uh, they came out with a Model K, which is actually uh, Ford's only six-cylinder car ever produced at the time. And he was kind of pressured by his investors to um, build it because basically, on the whole scheme of things, everyone else has a six-cylinder car, so we should too. Um, then they came out with it. The N, the R, the S. What comes after S, guys? T. So they came T. out with the T. Yeah. Uh, they they said we'll replace the Model T when it stopped selling. It did not stop selling for 19 years. After the end of its 19-year run with the Model T, they said we're never going to be able to recreate the success of the Model T. So we don't want to sully its good name by coming out with the Model U. So let's start all over again at the beginning of the alphabet, which is letter A. Yeah, do you guys uh, allow the the uh, early cars like the the N's and the the A's when you when on tour on your tours? We we don't mind. Uh, just don't bring your '65 Mustang. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, Justin, out of the out of your collection that you have in the museum, how many are running? Uh, they all. We have um, 38 cars that run and drive. Three do not run. We have one in original condition. We actually have several in original condition. And we actually have a Model T chassis that's cut away to show you the inner workings of the engine and transmission. So that one obviously doesn't run. But we have about 38, 39 cars that do run. That's cool. Uh, the thing I always get from people is when they look and they see the three pedals, they say, well, that's got to be hard to drive. It's the easiest car. It's the first automatic transmission. It's easy. Absolutely. There's nothing easier to drive than a Model T. It's very, very it, easy. It took me about, I'm embarrassed to admit, to admit this, about six months to drive a, standual, a, man, a manual. Uh, it took me about uh, six days to drive a Model T. Yeah, and my wife has a Model T driver's license. On one of the tours they were on, they had a Model T driving school for women. <laughs> and and uh, she has an official Model T driver's license. And I think that's cool. Do you guys ever do stuff like that at your museum? Have activities where people can get them you get them out and they can drive them and ride in them and do stuff like that driving school 
Absolutely. We don't have a driving school per se, but we have had a couple driving games where um, you try to park as close to it like a piece of cardboard, and uh, that would be your uh, your turn. Another one, I, I don't remember. I think we had to drive through an obstacle course with a bucket of water, and whoever had the most water at the end would win. Um, <laughs> so we do have uh, driving games. Uh, we give rides to people normally when it's not during COVID, stuff like that. Just, just get them out, and you know, it's a, it's a crime to just let them sit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I think the Gilmore Museum has a Model T driving school, if I remember yes, rightly. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't driven one since 1965, so I'd probably have to go back. You did to that in elementary school? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I thought you were there when the first one came off the line. Uh, no, I was there for the first Model A that came off the line. The and 19, then I've been 1903? Yeah, I've been working with Henry. <laughs> well, I started with uh, Duryea in 1894. I was yeah. their first field guy. Yeah. You sound good for your age. Thank you. Huh? What? What was that? What? <laughs> yeah. You know what? There's 225 years sitting in this studio this morning between the three of us. Uh, no, I I really like, and the only change the bit. Well, I've made a couple changes to my tea because we we do tours. I I'm not a big car show person. I get bored too fast. I don't like sitting in a lawn chair behind my car when it's 95 degrees. It doesn't do much. Yeah. But uh, I took the open valve engine, put it on a stand, and it sits there. And uh, I have a, a for touring. I have a Z head added. Uh, a couple. And a distributor just for fun, and uh, uh, but I still have the coils in place and and a few few other little things to make it go on tours. And I'll tell you what, with uh, with the slight modifications that I've done, um, like the straight through NH and all that, I wish these big cars like Pierce arrows and stuff would get out of my way. They're, oh yeah, they're, they're always holding me up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now explain an NH to our listeners. It's a Holly carburetor designation. They Holly they made usually isn't that right? They use Kingston and Holly on T's. Yes. Yeah, and the NH is a straight through, and it gives you more ah, performance. Okay. Gives you more performance, but uh, all right. Yeah, it, it's 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 a great I, car. I think you should run the Montana 500 this year in that car. I don't I don't know where Montana is. Yep. It's across the Great River. So yes, Kalispell. That, that's out of the that's out of the question. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, uh, what do you? One of the things that I was on the AACA National Board that I was really involved in uh, was youth programs. Does the Model T Club do? Anything to promote youth involvement with the hobby, and what if it is? If you do, what do you do? Last year, we started what we call the Explorers Club, and that's for youth seventeen and under. And uh, it's, it's just getting off the ground, but we encourage um, adults to uh, get their children involved in the Model T hobby. And uh, we have a newsletter that goes out to these these kids three times a year. Uh, we create a, a name badge for them so they can feel just as important as our adult members. And uh, they get a, a backpack and, and different things from us when they sign up. So they have their own little uh, new member kit just like the adults get. And um, we've, we've had some really fun 
times with the kids. Uh, recently, we had a, a young man that reached out to my husband and asked him if he would help him do a school project. And so on a Saturday, they came over here and did a video in the museum. And uh, this little guy is such a big fan of Model T's. He had done his research and he just did the greatest video talking about the different uh, aspects of Model T's. And um, so my husband and I bought him a youth membership and surprised him with that. And his mom came a little bit later. She had to work and, and joined them and we had kind of clued them in and she came in and he had his badge on and she said, well, what's that, Kyson? And he says, oh, nothing. I'm just a member here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rachel, we do this. We do a lot with veterans and uh, if I'm interviewing a veteran or talking with a veteran, I'll remind them that they they have to get with their kids and or their grandkids because what you all are doing, you all are the history books of today. Uh, most history books blow past Henry Ford and blow past our World War II and everything else. And what, so, you know, whenever you all, and I'm sure Justin does a great job uh, explaining things when uh, the kids are there, but uh, you all are taking the place of history books, and I, from my standpoint, I certainly appreciate what you all are doing and and keeping the kids interested in it. And this is this is the you know the car is probably the most important product that the United States ever had, and it. Yeah. Uh, we overlook the importance of it and just think of jumping in and going someplace, but it all started back when, and it moves the nation and still does. Well, if, if you can get gas. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, and you know, Justin is one of our greatest assets here at the museum. We have a lot of beautiful cars. But Justin has done his research, and, I mean, you can tell just by talking to him today. He knows this business inside and out, and he spends a lot of time with the folks that come and visit, and uh, he makes sure that they have an exceptional uh, visit when they're here at the museum. So I can't say enough good about about Justin. I, I told you I'd get you a raise, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> One of, one of the things we had a, a few weeks ago, we had the Model A Club on too, and one of their chapters has a uh, uh, in, in partnership with a local high school has a a Model A restorers class that they do, and they restore a Model A every year or two. The kids the bo the kids in high school come and do it. And then they sell it and put the money back into the program. Have you guys ever thought of doing anything like that? We we had something similar to that in 2008 uh, when we had our centennial celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Model T Ford. Uh, the local high school here in town um, reassembled the Model T, and the our, the parts suppliers donated the parts. And I believe it's part of the auto shop curriculum and it was basically if you give us the parts we'll assemble it and have it on display 
for the kids and for anyone who visited us in uh, 2008 at the Centennial. We don't haven't done that on a daily basis, but that's a good thing to think up for in our future. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I they I was really impressed with with what that. Yes. That's a, the group in Pasadena, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah what they do, and we're going to have uh, Wilbert Smith is the gentleman's name. We're going to have him on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a it's a great program, and it you know for us as our caretakers of these cars. We, we have to do as much as we can to promote the history of the car as well as trying to get people involved in this. I mean, you're, you know, around here in Atlanta, which is a pretty big area, of course, there used to be a bunch of guys that could do Babbitt bearings. And now, as far as I know, there's only two left uh, that can do it. And they're backed up forever trying to get in to do that stuff. So we need people... To get involved in this hobby and the, the Model T, I, I don't, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, yeah, Duesenbergs and Pierce Arrows and Stevens Durier," but the Model T and the Model A are the backbone of the po- uh, of the pre World War II hobby. They're the ones that make. I don't care what anybody says. They're the ones that make it happen, and they're the, they're the ones in the the that are most visible. Uh, the cars were the most visible. They belonged to, uh, you know, everybody had a Model A or a Model T in their garage. So I think that it's up to us, especially Model A and Model T people, to, to do what we can to promote this, this hobby. Let's talk about the club itself. What are the annual dues? The annual dues are just $40 a year. Well, that's a bargain. It is, <laughs> and for that membership, um, you get our vintage Ford magazine that comes out um, every two months, and it contains a lot of great articles. Many are written by our members who um, are experts in the, the field. Uh, they have uh, re- redone their cars, and you were talking about babbitting, um, and you know, a lot of these folks have redone everything on their Model Ts, and they're so willing to share their experience with others. So the articles will be about those experiences or, you know, what they have been through on their travels. We had a great article this last uh, issue um, about a friend's tour that they had done, and just it's just a lot of fun to read through the magazine. Uh, and then there's also a classified section, so if you're buying or selling or looking for something, um, it's a nice uh, section. So um, it, really, your membership is paying for that that magazine. Yeah, I I enjoy the the, the club magazines. I, you know, I have several that I get because I have a bunch of different cars. Mm-hmm. Um, that that uh, they are they're the they're the the they're the the information exchange for the that and the web and oh I forgot I want to compliment you guys on your website the forum on your website for the most part of course there's a few cuckoos that get on these websites but for the most part it's one of the the better forums of car hobbies on the on the internet uh, questions get asked. Questions get answered, and ev- not often do you get some some guy that's that is a real problem. But uh, the members who are on your your forum, uh, I I enjoy looking at that forum. I look at it every day because you find out stuff every day again from people who have done it. 
and uh, and and they aren't mean to some of the people who ask the same questions well, over thank you. and over. We appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Um, give us the website address, please. It is www.mtfca model t ford club of america dot com. Okay. So just five letters and then dot com. Right. And As people are writing that down, we'll give them an opportunity and take our next break. Justin, Rachel, will be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening, and we want to thank our guests today, Rachel and Justin from the Model T Club of America. And, uh, you know, I've got a, a great position here at the station in that we do a lot of interviews. In fact, uh, you know, all sorts. We had a doctor from California on yesterday, and I... I'm the one that learns. I learn something every interview about, uh, you know, a different topic or about Model Ts or whatever the case might be. And uh, Justin, you and Rachel are doing just a super job. And uh, how how far in advance do people need to contact you to get to go to the museum? Um, just call us just to make sure that we're open. Um, we're not scheduling any. Um, Reservations or anything like that. Uh, we've got kind of funky hours right now at the moment, but uh, we're open Tuesday. I'm sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're open Tuesday through Saturday, and uh, closed on Sunday and Monday. But uh, right now we're ten to four, and probably starting about April 11th, uh, we'll be uh, every day except for Monday, ten to five. Mm. And. Uh do you charge for, for people to come through the museum? It is $5 a person. Kids under 12 are free, as well as veterans. Veterans get in for free. Fantastic. So do our uh, MTFCA members. They get in for free. Super. Thank you for uh, letting uh, veterans in for free. We, no, they, we they've, done, they've done a lot. Yeah, we promote that always. And uh, we will certainly keep you all in mind as... Uh, as we go along and mention that if you're traveling in Indiana, that this should be on uh, everybody's bucket list. Well, they're not that far from Indianapolis. so yeah. Only about a, an hour, yeah. 15 minutes. Yep. So that, that's well worth it. Um, 
Justin, who does the maintenance on these vehicles for you? We, I, I do a some just slight, like, uh, dusting and stuff like that. If it's a larger issue, we do have our members who live here in town. They get involved. Um, we kind of have a book of what needs done on what car. We would not exist without our members and volunteers. They are, uh, you said it earlier, they are the backbone of the museum. We are greatly appreciative of everything that they have to offer for us. That's super. And, and if I wanted to volunteer, how would one go about volunteering? They can give us a call at the numbers that we mentioned earlier, 765-488-0026, and they could ask for Justin or our museum manager, Noah, and uh, one of them could, could uh, set them up for some volunteer hours. Um, there are just three of us on staff here, and as you can imagine, we have a lot on our hands. <laughs> oh, wow. So we're always interested in volunteers coming in and helping uh, dust the cars. Uh, there's always oil leaks that need to be mopped up, um, tires that need to be aired up. Uh, there's a lot that, that volunteers do for us. And as Justin said, we always appreciate that additional help. Well, we we just put out the call for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll get you. somebody. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to Model Ts for a minute. When you when you look at Model Ts, there are only somewhere in the neighborhood of seventeen thousand different body styles that you see. Um, that, what's what are some of the more real unusual ones? There's one on the on the AACA website, or is it Horseless website now? Uh, a limousine car is that a real or is that was that? Did you could do like could you just buy a frame a drivetrain on a frame and stuff and build your own car or can you or did Ford make a limousine kind of car for a model? Ford team? never made a limousine. Um, you could actually you could purchase a chassis. Um, started about 1915 for about roughly 300 350 dollars and then take it to a coach builder and they build you anything that you want uh, I, I'm looking at one now um, a picture of one and it's it's like a limousine they were popular on the streets of like San Francisco or going to a national park um, see San Francisco on a dime it was kind of like a sightseeing tour it, it's roughly about three model T's put to put to one so it's really long uh, that's kind of gimmicky that's a little uh, that's kind of rare those are for specific sightseeing purposes they never mass produced those at all they didn't they were never a made car then no it's basically you're going to just elongate the chassis and then uh, slap two other Model T bodies on yeah but they had an open cover they're very attractive looking when you see one I've never mm -hmm. I've only seen one I think in all my years of go, going to, to tours Another one that always raises a lot of controversy is the the uh, huckster or what do they call it? the 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 wooden body thing. Well, not not a, the sea cab, but the other well, one. There was a depot the hat. Depot the, hat. Depot that's hat. a name. Is that a real car, or is that again somebody bought the chassis and made those? Somebody bought the chassis and then made. Uh, made or either had the body made, and that was a little bit more popular. Kind of like I call it your first early station wagon of the period. Sure. Um, yeah. Where uh, I Ford doesn't make what I want, but I'm not out of luck because I'm going to buy a chassis and have somebody build what I want. So that's not a real car either. The depot hacks. No, it's it's just a chassis, and then like I say, hey, huh. I've got 
$300, what's your budget, what kind of wood do you want, what's your, gonna, what's your purpose for it? How, how about the... Um, uh, did uh, did yeah. uh, Ford ever get in the uh, Hertz business? It, no, not uh, same thing. They made uh, a different kind of chassis for the Model T called a TT, yeah. which is kind yeah. of like truck. your, uh, your F-350 chassis of today for your truck. Um, it was a car engine, car transmission, but a thicker, wider, heavier-duty, longer chassis um, that you, you could only buy the TT as a chassis. They never made anything on oh, top really? of Really? I didn't know that. So you just buy the TT chassis and then most likely take it to a carriage builder to say, hey, make me a funeral coach, make me a... Dump truck, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, cool. It's cool. I, you know, and, and they are really high-performance vehicles. <laughs> That big yeah. heavy car with that little heavy, model heavy, engine. Heavy. Yeah, well, yeah. and and they had dual wheels in the rear and yeah. ar- artillery wheels on the front, yeah. and those wheels weighed a ton. Yeah, yeah. So well, there's some of the other 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 weird ones that that you run across. What, what was the standard? Well, let's just pick a year, 1920. What was the standard lineup? Just just if you have an idea, what what actually were you could go to the Ford. Uh, store and buy one. You could you could purchase a coupe. They had a touring car. They had a roadster, also known as kind of like a runabout. You could also get the chassis, and uh, basically they were, of course, only in one color, black. <laughs> and basically, you'd go to like a dealership, and they'd say, "Hey, we couldn't have every style, every color, every option. This is what we have." And these are the pictures of what we're also able to get. So they had about five body styles. Uh, the most common uh, body style uh, throughout its entire 19-year run of the Model T was the Touring body. That was kind of your, uh, I kind of call it your bread and butter sedan, your four-door, five-passenger convertible sedan of today. Of course, they didn't have four doors. It was your three-door, five-passenger convertible sedan of today. Yeah, I like the center. I like the center door sedans. I just think they're cool. I don't know why that car just. Yeah. just How many years did they build that? I don't know. It wasn't many. I know it was from 1915 to 1923. Oh, that off! Oh, wow! Yeah, okay. I like those cars. Yeah. I think they'd be great for tours. I'm, I'm the older I get, the more I dislike side curtains and convertible tops <laughs> when it gets cold and wet. And I've been cold and wet many times. <laughs> Yeah, and I like the tall T coupes too. The big tall car, those are pretty cool. That's so you could wear your top hat. Yep, exactly. Hey, you know something that we seldom uh, get into. You've talked about chassis and so forth, but what about the upholstery in the seats in the Model T? So, if it was an enclosed car, it had cloth interior. And if it was an open car, it had a, a vinyl-like interior. So um, kind of common sense. If it's enclosed, you want to keep it dry. Um, and if it was an open car, it was a little bit more durable for the elements because it was going to be exposed to anything that falls out of the sky, it would be exposed to in an open car. Sure. Mine is leather. On the 10 is leather. The the, the, the front seat and the and the mother-in-law seat are, are leathers that that's mm-hmm. that's normal right back then yes not that i don't know what what was the name of that stuff they used you know it's a weird name 
I'm, I, I'm not off the top of my head now. No, it was an odd name, and it, it, they, they, you know, in judging, they use they they allow it because that's something you can't find anymore. The cows quit making it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know how how many mows did it take to make the interior? <laughs> That's that's a good question. I'm sure somebody out there knows the answer. For our forum, if anyone out there knows, it'll yeah. it'll be on on the forum on Monday. Oh yeah, no, today <laughs> it'll be there today. Some jerk I was asking about Moe's on the interior. <laughs> uh, Justin, a lot of Model Ts had a lot of optional equipment aftermarket After, stuff. Oh god, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, between speed equipment and brakes and do you have any of that uh in your museum? We have several cars here. Uh my favorite that comes off the top of my head is actually the Fat Man steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have other cars with um Rocky Mountain brakes, which is I an aftermarket that, yeah. accessory brake. Yep. Um spotlight, um we have car. We, we actually only have one car with a uh, a steering wheel lock, so you can actually lock your steering column on your Model T, so no one else who has a black Model T could drive it. Obviously, yeah. so. explain Fat Man steering wheel. I'm sure most people have no idea what a Fat Man steering wheel is. <laughs> well, Fat Man steering wheel was a term used for the wheel that it would actually pivot on a hinge out of the way, so uh, larger. People could get in and out of Model Ts. Uh, there was no PC back in the day. It wasn't a big man, husky man, large man. They just called it what it is and pulled no punches and called it a fat man steering wheel. Um, I would have hate to be the salesman that has to have a conversation with the customer that they suggest that they purchase that uh, option. Uh, it would be extremely awkward. Uh, and it has. We've got about four cars with it here. Wow. Did they ever make a brass one of those? I've never seen a brass one. I'm sure they did. There uh, there were so many aftermarket options. Henry Ford could not keep up. Uh, we have a car in here with the, an unauthorized use of the Ford name on the radiator. So uh, here's so many people are using his name. It was almost impossible just to oh, keep yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, and the high performance of like the Rojo cylinder heads. Mm-hmm. That stuff is cool. I have a Z. I have a Z head on my my T. Uh, but the, we have two here with uh, the high performance heads. We have a front neck. Oh yeah. Uh, also called a Fronty Ford. Yep. Uh, made around Indianapolis, and then we have the, the Rejo, made in Wisconsin. Yeah. Justin, we're going to have to take our last break, and want to remind everybody that the Classic Car Show is brought to you by J.C. Taylor Insurance. So we'll hear a little bit about it from. Our own Steve Ronaldo. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys 
recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move, Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future... You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And we're back on America's Web Radio with our special guests, Rachel and Justin from the Ford Model T Ford Club of America. And um, it, it's delightful. I had a curious, Justin, with your knowledge of, of the Model T and so forth, when did uh, police start using or did they ever start using the Model T? It was probably the mid twenties. Um, it wasn't. I'm sure they had a couple like higher performance models, but um, a lot of times it was just uh, used. Uh, we, we actually have. I've seen a picture where they would actually have like a, a paddy wagon, uh, where it would just basically be a depot hack with a cage screen. Um, but they never like. Uh, obviously, didn't run any radar or anything like that. Back <laughs> in the day. But I'm, I, I have seen some. Um, well, I know there's, uh, there's always uh, started using some in the mid twenties. Keystone they cops. They paint a, a star on the side and say, yeah. police. But, you know, the, um, you always see the like the Elliot Ness and the and the mafia and the, you know the guys with the submachine guns or the Tommy guns hanging off, holding on to the side of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riding on the running boards or whatever, and uh, shooting up the world. But I didn't know when the I, I had no idea about when the police might have started incorporating, giving up the horse and feed and taking on the horsepower. Yeah, yeah. It was a slow process. So, I start early to mid twenties, most likely. All right. I mean, I have one question that I that comes up too, and we're you get a bunch of Model T guys to get. Were motometers in the radiator cap ever standard? Are those big wing things that people put on, or are those 100% aftermarket? I'd say aftermarket for sure, just because it was so it would be too expensive. Normally, it would just come with a, a boring brass radiator cap. Yeah, the little cap, yeah. Then it was up to the salesman to kind of get more money at in the parts department for the particular branch. Yeah, I had a motometer on my car, and I kept watching it to overheat, and I, it never did, and I just kept worried and worried and worried, so I took the damn thing off and put a cap on so I couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't run hot. I, You know, and they, you hear these people, and, and you look at this stuff, because they have one of the real unusual features of a Model A, as compo- opposed to a, mo- a Model T, opposed to an A, is Model T's don't have water pumps. They work on a thermosiphon system. Just heat and pressure inside moves the water around, and there's no water pump. And everybody insists that they run hot. Oh, they all run hot. And I, I, you know, and they put these water pumps on. I've seen more cars run hot with a water pump than I have without one uh, in all the tours that we've done. Hmm. Uh, with this stuff, so I don't think the water pump is even necessary. I don't know what your thoughts are, as you you've been around these things a long time. It it depends. I'm right there with you. It depends on which region that you live. I've had people swear by a water pump. I've 
also been told by other people that, hey, if you have a water pump, that's the first sign of a bad radiator. It's yeah. six in one, really. It just depends on where you live. Well, we live in where Atlanta. Where you live and, and what you've been told, actually. Yeah, we're in Atlanta, and it's warm here, and I don't know many people, my tea friends, that run water pumps, and it doesn't get a whole lot hotter than around here in the summer. So... So anyway, that's kind of good to know because you hear all the stuff in the motor meter and those big wings are the another big that everybody talks about, the, those kind of things. It's, oh, no, that's the way they were. So anyway, yeah. uh, how about speedsters? Let's, well, let's talk about speedsters. Uh, uh, tell everybody, you know probably more than I do what a speedster is. We have um, two speedsters here at the museum. Um, they're basically just... You, you could only buy them as a chassis uh, and then most likely buy a body out of a catalog. They'd ship it to the nearest freight depot in a giant wooden crate. It's up to you to attach the body to the chassis. Um, just a little bit kind of sleeker d- design. Um, kind of, you know, kids today, hey, I don't want my dad's Model T. I want something that can go a little faster. It might not go faster as long as it looks like it goes faster, then it'll obviously go faster. Uh, but sure. they were hundreds uh, of different body styles for speed. They're cool looking now. Absolutely. They're a little bit more aerodynamic. Um, nothing like the Indy 500. Nothing. It wouldn't be too like that, but it would be very sleek in design. But, but the, it's still, the funny thing is, it might look like it, go, it would go faster, but it still has the original four-cylinder, 20-horsepower engine that every other Model T has underneath. See, people don't know that Henry was quite the racer in his day. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's why you, you you wonder if the Speedsters were a car that he had his heart in because being a racer. You just wonder. So. Basically, he couldn't make cars like the 999, so he says, hey, we'll make cars that everyone can afford, not just me to race on an icy lake. On icy lakes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's Michigan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, for me. Do you have an absolutely, totally original Model T in your museum that people can come and look at to validate things? We have. Uh, we, we absolutely do. It's a 1922 Model T Coupe. Um, it has the original paint, the original coat, the original interior. It's got the original 99-year-old interior still in it. Wow. And, and do people come and validate? We've had some people say, hey, I want is it all right if I climb underneath it and take pictures of the frame? Absolutely. Hey, I want to know how the stitching looked. I need to know how the top was uh, spaced. Absolutely. So um, we do. Uh, we've had have people make measurements off of that car. Does it does it have the original oil leaks? It's. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it, it doesn't run. Uh, it doesn't run. We will never have it run because it's only original once. Um, so uh, it does not have any oil in it. <laughs> then well, it doesn't leak. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't leak. Perfect, so. <laughs> um. Ignition system, Steve's talked about that, but as those cars developed, did the late T's have distributors? No. no they were always... Always the, buzz coils. Mm-hmm. F- right through 26. Yeah, yeah. 
Always buzz coils. Uh, I know they they did things like wire wheels and, and yeah, buffalo wire wheels. Yeah. That was a big option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the buzz coils and they're really cool when they work. The Maxwell has buzz coils. And you hear bzz, 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 when you crank it. It's really cool and it'll knock you right on your rump if that <laughs> thing. If you're dumb enough to grab that that wire, you're gonna you're gonna be sitting on the floor scratching your head. Gee, what happened? <laughs> They put out some serious power, those things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so let, let's go back to this for a minute. You have wooden spoke wheels. Yes. When did they go to factory wire? 26. That's exactly right, 26. Well, that was the only year of the factory wire. 26 and 27. Uh, 26, 27. it was an option. Okay. Um, wire wheels were an option in 26. They were standard in 27. And there's the same wheels that, that they used on the Model A, right? Yeah, sim- yeah similar. Yeah, the same size and everything. Uh-huh. All right, carburetors, you said two carburetor- two different carburetors. And w- did it make a difference when somebody ordered a car as to which carburetor they'd get? I don't know. Uh, I don't know how okay. it worked. And, and a, a 1910T engine was the same as a 26 and 26. No, it was no. a, the early ones. When did they go away from the open valve engines? Right around, I, if I'm not mistaken, 12 or 13. Yeah, because you had to stop and oil the valve train every hour, and on the firewall they had an oil can. Okay. That was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and the famous thing with Model T's is the Ford Fracture. You know about the Ford Fracture? Remind me. Where, where if you're yeah cranking it over and if you forgot to retire oh, the ignition yes. and it kicked back and broke your arm or your elbow or your, your wrist. wrist yeah mm-hmm. yeah the famous Ford fracture yeah <laughs> I, I was confused by your phrasing absolutely yeah that's what everybody calls it the Ford fracture when you go to a yeah. Model T or on a tour and you see some guy with his 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 wrist all in a in a cast or his elbows <laughs> yeah I was driving a Model T and like a dumbass I forgot to retire the ignition and bang, it got him. How about axle ratios? The same all the way through? I don't know. Justin? I could only assume. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but basically their their uh, strategy is if it, ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. Um, yep. That's why they had the same similar style of engine throughout the 19-year run. Um, that's why they were. he was so stubborn for change. You know, don't tell me how to run my car company if we've been making cars for 15 years. We've been selling them for 15 years. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. No, true. Uh, Justin, we're, we're out of time, but I want to thank you and Rachel for being on today. And uh, we'd like to ask, will you all come back and be on again? Sure. Excellent. We'd love to. Yeah. Good. And we'll, uh, we'll promote the museum and the club and uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you again in the, in the near future. That's great. Thanks for having us. Thank okay. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.